Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Game Makers Podcast. I'm Charles Adam Foster Samard from Ubisoft. In this episode, we're taking a closer look at the music of Immortals Phoenix Rising, an open-world action-adventure game released by Ubisoft at the end of 2020. In Immortals Phoenix Rising, you play as Phoenix, a winged demigod on a quest to save the Greek gods and their home from the dark curse of Typhon, the deadliest titan in Greek mythology. To talk about the game's music, I was joined by music supervisor Jérôme Angelou, who's based with the game's core team at Ubisoft Quebec and previously worked on Assassin's Creed Odyssey, as well as by the game's composer, Gareth Coker. Gareth's recent projects include composing for the Ori games, Ori and the Blind Forest, and its sequel, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Ark Survival Evolved, as well as the upcoming Halo Infinite. Hello to both of you. I'm here with Jérôme Angelot and Gareth Coker. Nice to uh, nice to be with you. Hello, hello. Hello. Nice to be there. I'm, I'm disappointed I don't get a, a French accent of my of my name. <laughs> <laughs> do you speak French, Gareth? Maybe we could do the whole thing in French if you no, like. No, I, I, my French days are long gone. I, I could actually understand a fair bit, but my speaking practice, I haven't spoken it for ages, but I did study it in school for quite a long time. And before jumping in and telling me a little bit more about how you got involved in the project and for you, Jérôme, what you were looking for in the project, I'm just curious to know, like, from your perspectives, what is what defines the music of Immortals Phoenix Rising? What makes it special? Or just in a few words, what is the music of this game for you? Man, that's a that's a question I've never been asked before. Like, what is the music for the game? Even on any project, um, I think at least my approach... Um, and Jerome might have a different answer, but I, th- I think it'll be the same because we were pretty in sync for the whole project. Um, I think when you look at the game, just the, the visual style, uh, the style of the dialogue, which is not like a lot of other games out there uh, currently, um, I think the way I would describe the music is it never takes itself too seriously and is a form of escapism allowing the player to escape into Greek mythology rather than be hit over the head by it, if that makes sense. Because the Greek gods, you know, if you look at their backstories, they were doing some weird and messed up stuff. Uh, but in this telling of Greek mythology, uh, there is a sense of fun that really I think the the music captures. Um, at least that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was to have something quite different from the previous game. I wanted something lush full in the music. Uh, I, I really love that to have uh, this big palette of instruments that are very, with very nice melodies. And the, the point was really to have something that cut from the AC franchise. 
that is more electronic, that is more serious in the, in the music itself. So, of course, the previous project was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and you worked on that game, Jérôme. And so a lot of the team actually transferred over to work on Immortals Phoenix Rising. And so for you, it was breaking a little bit from that franchise and also creating a new IP, right? This is a whole new brand. Exactly. The difficulty was to, to, to find something that will define that brand. So it was really important to have the right fit as a composer. And I, I definitely think that we handled that well with Garrett. So you found the right uh, composer for the job. Gareth, how did you first get involved on this project? What does that look like when you first hop onto a new game to write the music for it? It's different every time, to be honest. But in this case, uh, it was through uh, through my agent. And uh, she said to me at the time that, uh, yeah, this is something uh, that will probably be a good fit for you. And uh, I can't remember what the first piece of music I wrote. Did I have to pitch for this? I can't remember. Did I have to yes. write something? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I remember now. The pitch was obviously successful. And then I think the first piece of music I wrote for the project was the was the E3 trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which ended up becoming the main theme of the game. Uh, like at least part of the E3 trailer ended up becoming, turning into the, the main theme of the game. That happens so rarely. The only other time it's happened for me was on Ark Survival Evolved. The first trailer for that game ended up becoming the main theme. Um, but I think... The good thing about that is, um, I remember Jerome saying at the beginning, like, there was an emphasis on needing a melody. And that's kind of my thing. And I think it's definitely one of the reasons I'm talking to you today. Um, So I can't remember how I came, I can never remember how I come up with the melodies for these things. They just happen in the moment. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Okay, well, let's flesh it out. Um, But what does help and what has helped throughout the entire project, I, I don't think with the exception of Ori, I don't think I've ever had as much information from a developer that I could need to do my job, like which is which is really really important. I wasn't sure because this is my first time really working with a uh, AAA developer, and I've you know I've got friends who are composers too, and sometimes it's like yeah we just get a little bit of concept art and that's about it, and maybe a little bit of the story. But no, Jerome gave me everything like everything i could possibly want and then more and that for me like helps me get inside ultimately get inside phoenix's head because that's how i can you know write a theme that i think is appropriate for her um and uh yeah that main theme ended up being like the catalyst for what the rest of the game became uh in terms of the music um so i think that was like a helpful starting point but it happens so so rarely um but now we have a theme that we, you know, we reuse like in multiple places across the game. And that's always cool to be able to have. So there's so much to unpack there. So obviously, so Jérôme is giving you a lot of material to work with from the beginning. I assume that it's it's looking like concept art and some gameplay segments or or stuff like that. Maybe Jérôme, you can say a bit more about that. But uh, Gareth, from your perspective, what really is there something that hooked you in from the beginning? Like when you first started seeing some material from the game, was there something that really made you say like, oh yeah, I totally want to work on this project? I think the look of the game, you can't deny that the look of the game is very 
Looking at Immortals, I don't think there's anything really out there that looks quite like it. It has a very unique style to it. But also, I remember coming up to Ubisoft Quebec pre-pandemic. Uh, I miss those days. We all do. Uh, I was able to see the game in action, and I was also able to play it for a little bit. And it's hard to explain, but if you played games for a long time, sometimes games just feel good in your hands. And now after release, it feels the same. Like I can play this game for, I can dip into it for 10 minutes if I want to, and it's fun. Or I can go and have like a three to four hour session and it's still fun. And fun is really hard to capture in a game. It's it's such a, how do you define fun? It's very nebulous. Um, but all I can say is that's what I felt when I had the controller in my hand. And I'm like, okay, this is very, very attractive. And I saw that from the visuals when I saw like the initial video or the concepts and stuff uh, and the story. Um, but then to finish all that off, to be able to have it in my hand and be able to like feel feel the fun. That sounds like a bad catchphrase. Um, but um, that is what I felt uh, when I played it. And I think when you, because I've been playing games for a long time, I think when you can feel that, um, it made it a lot easier to, you know, think about the music for the rest of the game. And Jérôme, from your perspective, when you start working on a new project, in this case, so you had Gareth on board, he obviously got, he did a good enough job in the pitch to get the job. What are you then giving to the composer to make sure that you're getting the kind of music that you need or that you want for the project? The, the first thing I do and I want most of the time is for the composer to meet the, the team. I think it's very important. Uh, it was very important for Garrett, and I did the same thing for the previous project I was uh, working on, to meet the creative director, for example, because he is the one that has the idea of the game, that has the, the, the recipe of what he wants to, to give to the player, and also to meet the audio director to be sure that we are in line with uh, our creative process. I just want to touch on one story that I don't mind telling now because we've shipped the game. Um, Jerome said it was uh, really important for the composer to meet the team. I think Jerome knows where I'm going with this. Uh, so I'm flying out and my uh, there's two flights. There's no direct flight from LA to Quebec. And uh, I arrive in New York and it's like, yeah, all flights to Quebec are cancelled uh, for like the next 24 to 36 hours. So I'm like... Man, that sucks. I don't want to miss this meeting. I'm already, I've already flown across the country. Um, so I drove from New York to Quebec overnight. Wow. And I made that damn meeting. So I'm, I'm, that's something I'm still quite proud of. Uh, I was really tired. Jer Jerome released me in the afternoon of that day because uh, he knew I'd only had like 90 minutes of sleep, for which I'm very appreciative. But I was determined to make it. I was like, I'm going to make this first meeting at Ubisoft. Uh, I did get a pretty decent car to, to drive in uh, to make sure that the journey wasn't terrible. But I have to admit, like driving through Maine at three o'clock in the morning is not the greatest. It's uh, that's like a ten-hour <laughs> ten-hour drive or yes. something like that, right? That's yeah, it's a ten-hour ten drive. Yeah, uh, I guess Jerome inspired me to to drive all that distance to meet the team. Uh, it's that important. <laughs> I mean, if if Jerome wasn't convinced yet that he had the right composer, I'm sure I'm sure that that did the job for sure. <laughs> And after that, it's a long brief describing <laughs> everything that we need. Uh, it's visual, uh, concept art, a lot of video capture. 
because I think it's important uh, to be able to just write with the picture in front of you. Uh, we tried in the past just to, to ask composer to write music, uh, giving uh, specific about how the music works in the games. And what I discover is that sometimes it's, it's a break for the creativity. So I don't want the composer to think about how the music will be implemented on the game. So I give video and they just compose like a linear project. And Gareth, were you actually composing music to the gameplay? Like you, you would be watching gameplay and composing at the same time or just kind of imbibing it and then, and then getting inspired from it? That is literally my process for writing on all my projects. Um, if I can't play the game, uh, record the gameplay myself, like getting gameplay footage from, from the developer, mm -hmm. um, preferably with no temp music, that means I can bring it into my sequencer um, and I write the music in the music software with the video playing in the background. So I don't try to match like all of the footage. I feel like every single game has a basic tempo, like a basic speed of gameplay. I'll explain that using two very different examples. Um, the speed of playing a first person shooter like Doom is completely different to playing a first person shooter like Halo. Um, we can go through tons, tons and tons and tons of examples, but Immortals has its own speed, and by just by having the gameplay in front of you, it informs so many decisions in the writing process, at least for me. And, you know, it gives me a chance to, like, hear how busy the sound effects are, um, and also a chance to, like, hear the dialogue. So, uh, Gareth, the first thing you, you composed is the melody, I guess, the yep. original melody that, that was in the trailer and yep. the announcement. So that was E3 2019. The game came out at the end of 2020, so a year and a half or so later. Um, so once you had that kind of basic, in you know, the trailer music, which at that point, I guess you didn't know would even end up being in the final game. Yeah. Then, then what do you do to develop the rest of the soundtrack? Like, do you go get inspiration somewhere else? Do you do a lot of research? I think for this, um, one thing that was very helpful early on and discussing with Jerome about this is like we didn't want to make it uh, 100% authentic ancient Greek soundtrack using exactly the instruments of the time and only the scales of the time. Right. And frankly, if Ubisoft had wanted to do that, I don't think they'd have hired me because like if you wanted to do authentic Greek music, <laughs> there's, there's other places you can go where it would probably be more accurate. Exactly, and it was already the mandate that we had on Odyssey, so we didn't want to repeat that. Yeah, and it makes sense with the game, right? Because the game is playful. There's yeah. references to modern stuff. Yeah. There's like asides and breaking the fourth wall. So, so what I thought, I was like, well, okay, we, I still want something. So uh, I commissioned uh, a couple of Greek liars for the game from a Aluthia in Greece. So that was the real deal. But. Um, the way they are played in the music in the game is not as traditional or as authentic as they would be played in ancient Greece. I was just like, let's have some flavors from ancient Greece, um, but dress it up in modern production. And 
it comes back to the look of the game because the look of the game and all the exaggerated animations, the exaggerated dialogue, uh, the the colors that truly pop, it allows you to explore with music on a much much greater greater variety. Um, I think the best example of this is in all the Tartarus Vault music, which is a blend of some quite synthesized stuff, but then you have this awful sounding instrument called the aulos which is awful by itself it's a it's an ancient greek woodwind instrument but i was like okay my goal for the tartarus vaults i'm gonna try my hardest to make this instrument sound good no matter how long it takes Uh, because it really is it really is by itself you wouldn't want to listen to it for more than like two minutes even in the hands of a good musician it's a sucky instrument But it has a unique flavor and it's kind of haunting. I was like, okay, how can we make this work? So really all I ended up doing was throwing a bunch of reverb on it to make it sound like it's in this giant space and a huge amount of delay. So it's kind of echoing all around you. And I was like, oh. Uh, I think that's the sound. Then I took all of the the edge off the instrument because um, it has it has kind of like a high raspy reedy sound because it uses two reeds. I took like the edge off the instrument and then it started sounding like kind of floaty and ethereal. And in it started to sound timeless. Mm. Um, I can't really explain what that means. It's just what I felt. And I was like, okay, well, I can now build a bunch of tracks around this. And the best example in soundtrack is Aulos of Tartarus. And uh, yeah, it ended up being the sound of the underworld. And so that's just an example of like where we combined something from the old world and then just with a bunch of new ideas in terms of how to how to produce it. Can you say a little bit more about the liars that you commissioned and what they look like and how they sound? So the liars, it's it's interesting because I thought about using them as a melody instrument, but they're actually much better at supporting. One of the things about... Um, plucked instruments i have one of them right here i know we're doing a podcast but it's easier for me to explain um this is going to be terribly out of tune but um yeah it's really out of tune but uh the thing about like plucked instruments is if you listen to them for a long time they end up becoming really distracting um and one of the things about a lot of the exploration music i think it does have melody but the melody isn't hitting you in the face um it's there but if it was hitting you in the face too much, the it, it kind of sucks for the player. And this is something that I've learned from, from doing Ori as well, which is also like a heavily melodic game. You can have melody, but if it's too upfront and in the face, um, the player, the brain, the human brain just starts to switch off and starts to either get annoyed by it or just not recognize it at all. Um, one day I'm going to do a PhD into the effect of music on the human brain, but I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, anyway, the liars end up being a prominent but supportive role in i would say almost all of the exploration music has some lyre in it at some point jerome's seen all the stems i think there's usually like plucked something or other in almost every single track so it's just kind of there because when you gently pluck these instruments in the background what happens is that it gives the music movement and movement in music always keeps the player like it's subconsciously telling the player 
keep going, keep going, keep going. It's very, very gentle, um, but you can like hear a gentle momentum throughout. And that's what I felt like the lyres provided. So it's almost like these traditional instruments are giving you almost like a foundation yes. kind of for the rest of the music, especially for the exploration, or of course, as you're saying, you need something that's more a little bit more atmospheric maybe that's yeah. accompanying what the player is doing without being too present. I mean, for the exploration music, what we ended up doing, <laughs> this this was a whole thing that I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. So um, Jerome told me at the beginning, it's like we're going to have we're going to have these exploration suites, and they're going to need to be able to change seamlessly from uh, exploring on foot to flying to exploring by horseback, uh, and you got to think about combat too. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, okay. Uh, I think I can do that. Um, so the one, I don't think Jerome even knows how I approach this because I don't think he, he just knows the end result. He doesn't know like the brain process to actually get there. I don't think he wants to. Well, he's, he, he's going to hear it now anyway. Um, so um, I was like, okay, what do I think the easiest one is going to be? Uh, and the easiest one was flying. Um, I decided that for all the flying suites, we should have a woodwind instrument because woodwinds are you know, you have to use wind and you need wind to fly. It makes sense. I've, I've, I've followed that philosophy before and it always works. Um, and two instruments that, especially one in particular, uh, the English horn and the oboe, they're two related instruments, but they do have a slightly Mediterranean quality to them. I can't really explain what it is. It's probably because they use reeds um, to be played. Um, and I was like, okay, these instruments, when played in a certain way, can sound super floaty and ethereal. And so the flying part of the exploration suite ends up being the lightest. There's no plucked instruments. There's usually just a really soft, like ambient wash of sound. And then the oboe or the English horn. Then the horse music uses the same melody that is established in the flying music, but it's played maybe slightly quicker and there's like gentle percussion or like all strumming or the lyre is playing and it's quite busy because it's horse riding and you can move more quickly. That immediately differentiated it from the flying music and the explore music, which had neither the faster paced music or the wind instrument. So once I had those three layers, I'm like, well, I haven't even done anything loud yet. So doing the combat was actually fairly straightforward. Um, but all the exploration music suites share the same fundamental melody. It's sometimes played in a slightly different way, whether you're flying or horse riding, but you you can still hear them played in a slightly different way. And once we'd done the first one, I was like, okay, thank goodness, because the 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 methodology was set in place. And then doing all of the exploration suites for Ares, um, Athena, Aphrodite, all of the different regions in the game, um, we kind of had like a methodology to do it, and it definitely works i remember like seeing the implementation for the first time i was like oh my goodness is this gonna work is this gonna work is it or is it not and it totally does 
Oh, because it's almost like creating a template that yeah. you can then apply. Because of course, there's different regions in the yeah. game. Each one is ruled by a different gods, so you need a little bit of a different texture, I guess, for yes. each region. And so once you had that template, you could apply it to different regions yeah. for the exploration music, and it would fit everywhere. The the instruments obviously change per region. Like Aphrodite features more vocals, um, so so each each region still has to have its own unique sound. But the fundamental approach, like busier for the horses, fairly ambient for the exploration, using a woodwind instrument for the flying, that fundamental approach remained the same. Um, it's funny that, you know, Jerome mentioned, you know, he doesn't like the composers to worry about implementation. And he's right. That is actually a good approach. But I like to know just enough uh, because I've been gaming for a long time. I think I'm like probably between... Uh, a composer who doesn't want to know anything at all about implementation and then there are composers who want to know absolutely every single thing in the world i'm probably right in the middle and i think that's where jerome likes it <laughs> jerome would you agree with that can you can you say a little bit more about this implementation yes tell us your genius implementation system jerome yeah why you don't want uh, the composer to worry about that <laughs> In my opinion, I'm here to help you make your music shine. I'm not here to tell you what you have to do. Yep. So the musicality, the instrumentation, the melodies are yours. I'm just there to guide you to, to be sure that the music will work the best that we can in the game. I'd like to talk a little bit about the combat, Gareth, because we talked yep. more about exploration, but how did you approach the combat music? Because it's quite exaggerated in a way, the combat in this game. Yep. The moves are super big and there's a lot of special effects. And I mean, one of the things I love about this game is every time you manage to defeat an enemy, they kind of like fly away. Yeah, they go flying. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it never gets flying old. Off. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so yeah, you've used the one word that I would focus on and you, you mentioned exaggerated. Um, and I think I remember handing in like one piece of boss music. I can't remember which one it was, but Jerome was like, yeah, you can go bigger. And I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. uh, so <laughs> I was pushing um, to a bigger. I have no problem doing loud combat music. If, if you've heard any of my work from Ark, uh, it's all loud because it's all giant creatures. Um, but this was kind of a case of like taking maybe um one i mean one of my favorite films of all time is disney fantasia and that like they make imagery with that music feel so powerful and so over the top and so that was kind of the approach like let's make this over the top and orchestral um, but let's make sure that it's not just orchestral blah blah for like three minutes it needs to have a tune it needs to have an identity it just can't be I like to call it epic nothing um, because um, we've all heard music from various films or projects or whatever where it's really loud for a long time and you can't remember any of it. And that's a problem to me. I was like, I need these tracks, especially the boss fights. They need to be able to stand out and they need to be enjoyable to listen to by themselves. Because in a game like this, you know, which has such a high emphasis on fun, I think the music needs to be fun too. And for that reason, it needs to be fun to listen to. Um, so, you know, even though the player might be struggling to to beat one of the bosses for the you know the fifth or sixth time, if they have a banging music track that they enjoy listening to, it might spur them on to you know to keep going. And so, yeah, the 
the approach for the the boss music uh actually for all, actually almost all the combat music we didn't really use as much of the traditional greek elements it's more of i did use the greek scales greek music has a particular scale that is quite identifiable um and it's kind of commonly used in, across this entire soundtrack but i was like let's just throw the whole orchestra at it and you know use the orchestra in a intelligent way so it's not just every player playing all the time so you know sometimes the strings will have the melody sometimes the brass will have the melody just pass the things around that makes it more interesting to listen to um, and then yeah once you pass the melody around then have everyone play with all the power and then you've kind of automatically got three parts to the music this is very crude a crude breakdown just for the sake of this podcast but you know if you have a section which is full orchestra to begin with then you switch it to the strings focus then you switch it to the brass focus you've already got a b c and then you've probably covered like 60 seconds of music already and then it starts to sound uh like a a long piece of music which has interest whereas if it was full orchestra the whole way through it's not as interesting to listen to because as i was discussing earlier the brain starts to switch off when you listen to the same thing for too long or if it's too in your face and boss music is in your face all the time so you have to find interesting ways to change it up so it was about making it epic of course um but also making sure the music had a nice dynamic flow to it so that it would be fun and enjoyable to listen to that was a good answer <laughs> you make it sound so easy <laughs> <laughs> well you know what it's funny because like the the boss music i'm seeing all these wacky creatures um and they've got amazing they've got amazing titles and i'm just like how could you not be inspired to you know write music for the medusa or or any of the other any of the other bosses in the game um and they've got such wacky designs um you know jerome would upload a, a new video of like oh here's here's another boss fight i'm like oh boy what's this one gonna look like and you know just to take typhon as an example you know typhon looks how he looks and then you hear him speak and he's doing the, the classic over the top uh villain monologue all the time i'm like oh okay i know what to do for typhon and it's the thing is having a character like that be so over the top allows the music to be over the top because it actually makes it believable and what helps also in the the open world the, the combat music in the open world is that the, the music changes dynamically depending of the the enemy you have around you uh, we are basically calculating a thread depending of uh, the life of your character uh, the weapon that you are the armor and each enemy has some point and we calculate the point that they are generating and with that we are driving the music so we have multiple scale and the music can go very epic and go down and go up so that way when the combat is a little bit longer you don't have that fatigue of the music repeating a lot of time because it's changing and from a combat from another you will never have the same transition yeah i was going to say so from one combat to the next or one player to the next even depending on the weapons you're using your strategy how much health you have how much skill you have it's never going to sound quite the same right exactly the music will behave differently it's still the same music but the behavior will change sure this is the kind of thing that i was talking about earlier where like that level of involvement in the implementation is beyond me it's up to me to like deliver them the raw materials to work with and then finesse the stuff like how often does the music change like and how you know the number of enemies that you're fighting that stuff 
I can only tell you like if it's good or not, but like there's so many people whose hands are on it that like they kind of know before I even get to see it. So it's this is my first time that I had like a a team worrying about that kind of stuff, uh, which was very nice. It meant I could just focus on on writing the music and delivering, you know, the next thing for them to implement, which is all which, which is nice. And one of the things I remember Jerome sent in his his first PDF at the very end, it says writing for for games is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and he said, I think he said that he sent this to everyone ever who he's ever worked with. I hope you, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Jerome. Oh no, no um, that's okay. And because uh, actually, because it's very true, and every every composer should probably pay attention. Um, but what it meant is, instead of you know delivering everything at the last minute, the fact that we were able to deliver some of these ideas so early meant that Jerome's team had time to finesse the music playback system and get it working in the game to being what it is today. And even if the game changed, that it, it happens on our game, there was uh, some change that we decided to do. And the project, I never put away a music. I always try to reuse it somewhere else because the music by itself is good. Mm. Uh, the melodies are good. It's well orchestrated. So there is always a way to reuse the music, even just cutting some element with the stems or just revamping it. So we, I always try to never lose a thing in the music. I'd like to talk a little bit about your collaboration and the feedback. So, Because earlier, um, Gareth, you mentioned you were writing combat music and, for instance, Jérôme had said, well, make it bigger, right? What other things changed or what kind of feedback did you get with the first versions of the music? Like, what's the kind of feedback that you got from the team? Uh, feedback can be something as simple as this is the right piece of music, but it's the wrong tempo. Like it just doesn't quite match the the gameplay. I remember, I remember one. Uh, Jerome was just like, "Can you just change the tempo just to make it a little bit quicker?" And that that's like literally two keyboard presses for me, and then export export audio. And I was like, "Oh great, right. it's done." Um, and there's sometimes, um, you know, sometimes when I'm perhaps uh, maybe struggling with the cue. I have to remind myself, it's like, hey, wait, hold on a second. We've actually got a really good main theme. Let's use it. And I remember, uh, I think it's for the the archery, the, the bowed challenge. I think we just use a version of the main theme. No, is it that one or is it no, navigation, navigation challenge? challenge? Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm um, sorry. Yeah, I'm getting the I'm getting the mixed up. But it, I think that's why we ended up going that direction. It's like, well, let's just use the theme. Or at least I was like, there's a good chance that this might get approved because the theme is good. Um, but the thing is, because the theme is good, it automatically, whatever you do with the theme, it's going to fit the game in a basic way because it's the theme that I think we had done the navigation. I can't remember when we did the navigation challenge, but the team had been living with the theme for at least like four to five months at that point. So they, everyone knows it's the theme. So if you use the theme in a different way, it's like, okay, well then, okay, we've got the melody. Now we just have to make sure the feel is appropriate for the navigation challenge. I think that's, that's kind of like how we ended up there. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, from uh, one of my composer heroes, Jerry Goldsmith said, if in doubt, play the tune. Um, he always said that if you are struggling to do a scene in a film obviously jerry didn't do any games but he he said whenever he was struggling to do a scene in a film he would just be like well i'm just going to go back to the main theme and it usually like nine times out of ten it solved the problem for him or at least it started the process of solving the problem now of course the catch with that is you have to have a good theme in the first place (laughs) (laughs) well i was going to say yeah it's a motif right so it works well yeah. To repeat that motif, but also I was going to say the same thing. Like it works because the melody you wrote for the theme is catchy and works well and can be 
I guess, declined into different versions easily. Exactly. The word I like to use is malleable. It can mm. be bent into many different shapes and sizes. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many things you can do a melody. I mean, one of my favorite things is just to speed it up or half time it, play it like at double the speed of the original. This is stuff that we learn in like composition 101 that it's so easy to forget because as composers, it's like, oh, I'm going to try and impress everyone with my incredible compositional ability when actually the things you need to do are nine times out of 10, the things you learned in composition 101. Um, just like simple ways of changing a melody. I mean, one of the things I did when we'd kind of established Phoenix's theme, and I kind of do this with every project, is... I will just go to pencil and paper and I'll write down the theme as it is. And then I'll notate like 20 different versions of the theme. And I don't use all of them, but it's like a mini well of like different versions of the theme that I can use if I need them. Hmm. Uh, and usually they're all pretty solid because they're based on that one original melody. Theme and variations is one of the very first things like most composers are learning. And it's also one, therefore, one of the very first things you forget. <laughs> Can you uh, reveal some other areas in the game where you slipped in the the main theme? Oh, man. I think one of my favorite places is in the uh, final dungeon and the final boss fight. It's always kind of an obvious thing to do, but sometimes it can also be lost. Like, uh, we have the, the boss fight music with Typhon, and I was like, okay, we could just play, like, epic Typhon music. Um, but actually, I was like, no, this is Phoenix coming to her. Obviously, I'm spoiling things a little bit here but it's 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 phoenix coming to her like full realization of her destiny and so i think the temptation with a lot of games when they go to the end boss is to make it super dramatic and super epic but when you do that you actually take away from the journey of the main character and thus when you if you've been playing with a character for i don't know 30 hours 40 hours 50 hours however long it takes you to to, to get to the end uh i think it's way more powerful to reinforce that's the time to play the character's theme in a super powerful way. And then, if you can, combine it with elements of Typhon because the two are going at mm. it. Um, so, so why not? So that's like the obvious place. The main theme, the first part of the motif is used in a ton of stingers. I can't remember exactly which ones, but we do drop it in a fair amount of places. Um, maybe Jerome can remember. Oh, I, I re-edit it uh, <laughs> a lot in the game. For example, when you die, I isolate the voice. I slow the music so you have something more dramatic. Because we do a lot of edit when we receive the stems. And for example, I, I really love the theme and I really love the Ori soundtrack. And listening to all the stems that we had, I was, hmm, I would love to have a wing to Ori. So I took all the stems and basically redid a version of the theme based on how the Ori soundtrack sounds.
and everyone loves it and I send it to Gareth and it was fun because he sent it to me back that track but with the full Gareth power <laughs> <laughs> that's right yes yeah you sent me your edit and then i i dressed up jerome's edit uh but yeah it was a good edit and i was like great um is, is that what we did for the end credits yeah 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 yeah, yeah uh, exactly the, yeah, the so, music that you have in the end credits yeah And it works so well, and it proves how much that theme is maneuverable, that you can work with it, that uh, you can change it. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's really fun to play with this kind of uh, tools, I would say. It's, uh, again, I can't remember how I came up with the motif, but the bum, 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 that's really like, that's the thing that plays the most in the game. And it is incredibly flexible, and it's, it's something... Like there's the whole melody, which is like 45 seconds to a minute, but it's that first phrase. Um, that is always the first yeah. thing that I sp- spend the most time on writing to a tune. If the first phrase is good, it informs everything else after it. And actually all of the phrases after it are kind of like similar to that very opening. Dun, dun, dun. Like you'll hear that part repeat over and over again. Um, one of the key things about a good melody is got to not be afraid to use repetition but you've got to change it up just enough so that it's not exactly the same um right if you think if you alter it slightly you unpack it a little bit yeah um if you look at all the famous melodies throughout history and i have studied like all of them well not all of them but as many as i could possibly can um they all have an element of repetition to them um that, and that's actually what one of the things that makes them successful and ultimately, the, the easiest test is, is, can I remember the melody after I've been away from it from a day? And if I can't, then I'm like, well, it sucks. Um, that's usually that's usually where I end up. Um, and if I can, then it's successful. It, you know what? It's a very fun way also for us to know if the main team is working. Because, uh, for example, any happens on a Odyssey and this game, the, the main team were very easy to... To find. As soon as you share it with the team, when you are in the corridor of Ubisoft and you can hear people humming the team, you know that you have it. Yes. <laughs> and it's exactly what happened with that game. Uh, you had people that were whistling or humming the, the team. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know it works. You know you had it. And as a player after, of course, for me, it's the same. Once I've played a little bit of the game, I find myself humming the, the theme uh, when I'm doing the dishes afterwards. So. <laughs> So as we're talking, the the new DLC is coming out, Myths of the Eastern Realm. Uh, So I wanted to give you a chance to say a few words about the process for that. Of course, this DLC is is an expansion that takes, it's like a whole other story, basically, uh, set in ancient China and based on Chinese mythology. So how did you go about doing the music for that? Did you kind of use the same melody and try to use different instrumentation? Or did you go a completely different direction or, or go at it from scratch? What we did for that, we had a long conversation and meeting with the Chengdu team uh, because it's 
I think it was important to avoid uh, the music cliche yeah. that you have most of the time for game taking place in China done by Western development team. So we we had a long... And Ubisoft Chengdu, of course, is the the team that's leading the, exactly, the development for exactly. the DLC. So we, we are, they were super helpful to giving us pointer, instrument, not to use, cliche to avoid. And after that, it was a matter to find, uh, again, the, the right melody and theme. And once again, the, the music, it's all really, really, really good. It's funny you mentioned the melody. It was th this really was a completely standalone thing. So it was almost like starting from scratch again. Uh, but that initial meeting was incredibly helpful because Jerome just mentioned like avoiding the, the cliches. And um, one of the things that you'll hear every Western composer do with uh, with Chinese sounding music, that they'll instantly go to the Chinese violin, which is the erhu. Uh, and uh, that is an incredible incredibly recognizable sound and any hollywood movie set in china like you'll, you'll see the opening shot and you'll hear an arahu within like three seconds it, i mean it literally it happens so often well one of the great things is like what well, they were like yeah this game is set in a particular dynasty but basically the point was is that the arahu didn't exist yet so they're like you can't use it uh, or if it did exist it wasn't being used regularly um so uh, it would Stay not away from the from the cliche violin sound right exactly because it was for historical reasons they actually wanted right. to make sure that it was accurate i'm like oh my goodness that actually makes things so helpful so chengdu provided me with a list of instruments i could and couldn't use and i was like oh this is so glorious limitations limitations are amazing um especially when you're you're starting out on a project um and i was like okay that means I can now like focus on you know the, the instruments that are there and then make those ones shine. Um, in coming up with the theme, the biggest difference this time is that uh, we wanted to have a song with lyrics in the game. And I was like, well, that's cool. I have not done that ever. Uh, and finally, I get the opportunity, uh, even though it's going to be in Chinese, to, to do it. So that was a whole process, like figuring out the Chinese pronunciation and like uh, learning how that would all work. But then ultimately, I'm like, well, it's still fundamentally the same thing. Try and find a good melody. But this time I had the words to work with. And not only did I have the words to work with, I also had like them pronounced so I could understand like how the words flowed so that they would fit well musically. And yeah, I think the tune I came up with for this one is also pretty strong. And we use it quite a lot, uh, especially in the opening. And yeah. Uh, it's nice to hear it with words and without words. It's always difficult when you are writing songs, especially when you, we were using uh, a poem, an ancient poem from China. Yes. Uh, that is called The Song of the Crane. And uh, the, the first version that we did, by the way, was sung by the English actress, Elena, that was doing the voice for the English version. And later it was re-recorded by the, the Chinese actress. So the final version is the actress who does the Chinese voiceover, exactly. the, the Chinese voice of the of the character. Yes, 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 because we wanted to be sure that we have the correct yeah. pronunciation. 
how is it used in the DLC? Is it just used at the beginning or how, how are you using it or just for the credits? Uh, the song is in the credits, but the melody is also used uh, in the game itself. For example, the, the character Nua, right. that is the goddess Nua, Garrett used that melody for her and it works really well. It's also used in the opening opening exactly, cutscene. Exactly. Um, in a in a moment which definitely justifies it. So um, yeah, it's another melody that we you know again if it's memorable and if it feels good, it's the same philosophy. Once it's good enough, you can drop it in in multiple places. Um, not quite as extensively as uh, in the base game, um, but obviously this is a DLC rather than like a full thirty hour thing. Well, uh, players can check out the soundtrack for the game itself and for the DLC. They're all available, so they can go listen to that. It's beautiful music. Thank you very much, Gareth and Jérôme, for this great conversation. Thank you. No problem. Uh, I just want to, because I have a forum to do it, I just want to thank everyone who played on the soundtrack or who worked on it in some way, uh, because even though I did do a bunch of work, there are a lot of other people who helped bring it to life as well. Uh, right from the original luthiers who made my lyres in Greece to uh, Kristen Nagus who performed all of the woodwind on both the Greek part of the game and the Chinese version as well um, she's a ridiculously talented woodwind player um, and then the orchestra that played the main theme uh, and end credits for the game as well um, yeah people always see the composer but actually there's usually like a ton of people who like have to get involved to actually make the music enter your ears uh, rather than just the composer. Soundtrack to Immortals Phoenix Rising is available to buy or stream wherever you get your music. And you can also find the soundtracks to Immortals Phoenix Rising Myths of the Eastern Realm and to the latest DLC Immortals Phoenix Rising The Lost Gods, which just came out. We've put all the links in the episode description. I'm Charles Adam Foster Samard from Ubisoft. This episode was edited by Manu Bachet. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to subscribe to Game Makers and review us on your favorite platform. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.